Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Yes Sir Hacher. I hope everybody is having all had a good week. And how has your week so far been? How has it been then? Well, um, the weather is shocking. We've got a storm coming today, a bigger one coming on Friday. And um, I had plenty of um, things planned over the weekend. My daughter was coming over from Dubai. I've been working there for a week and a um, few other things. And it looks like the planes are not going to get in. But it's not surprising. Um, this is UK weather at its worst, mate. Really? I would have thought you would be starting to get better a little bit, no? <laughs> oh, it's getting worse. Okay. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I think um, I'll be working in Asia next winter for a few months. Uh, I'm not going to uh, do this uh, unnecessarily. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we all look forward to you coming back to uh, Asia. Yeah. Uh, things, Couple... uh, things are starting to look up a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I would expect Hopefully, uh, you know, we are doing this in February. Hopefully, by, you know, even I'm hopeful that by June and latest end of the year, uh, we would be able to travel quite relatively freely uh, in Asia. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, um, definitely all, all being well, as you say, it's an unpredictable world. But um, I will be paying you a visit in the uh, in the next sort of, Eight to nine months, I would think. Sure, I'll get the chili crab ready. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, yeah, chili crab and the barons. Yeah, that's the motiv- That's the sort of motivators I need during the windy wet days. Yeah, and whatever. Okay, so yeah, I mean that's it. Uh, I mean your week, you're living in you know Singapore. It's uh, it's sunny, it's vibrant, it's fun. Um, so it's fantasy island, mate, as I always used to refer to it. As. Yeah, uh, it, it is. Uh, and, and I and I know uh, our you know our listeners are not here to listen to us talk about the weather, but I must say that uh, it's been a bit chilly in Singapore for the past few days. It's been raining. It's been a bit cold, but uh, not really complaining because it's pleasant. 23 degrees weather, so it's, I, I think 23 degrees for you is considered quite balmy. <laughs> well, yeah, let's put it this way, yeah, I mean, it would be balmy here, but yeah, I remember in Singapore, when it got to 23, I'm kind of thinking, well, it's time to cool. get out. Yeah. Time to get, the, <laughs> time to get the jumper out. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Right, okay, so today, uh, it's just two of us, which is fine. Uh, we are going to dig a little bit deeper uh, into the topic about changing work uh, and how does this then impact the way we need to consider how we do our teaching and learning. And I think it's actually quite an apt topic because uh, I was just having this conversation with one of uh, our mutual colleagues who was just saying that, you know, uh, MOE is starting to look at the future of work uh, and how this might impact uh, the way we actually do teaching and learning. Uh, but I think this is something that we have covered a little bit, and let's use this opportunity to dig a little bit deeper. Uh, you know, uh, I think we all uh, have mentioned Jeff a few times, Jeff Petty, uh, in his book about evidence-based uh, teaching. Uh, and I think you also have talked about uh, in your book uh, when we talk about creative evidence-based creative teaching, when you allude to the point about teaching moving out of an educational Jurassic Park, 
Okay, so let's put a spin on this. Okay, uh, and 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 let's let's do a little bit of uh, and, and let's try and make this a little fun podcast. Uh, where where we 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 look into the future a little bit and then we speculate and then we try and refer it back to uh evidence based principles. So let's ask the question now: How is the world of work changing? Uh, in what ways do you think this is changing, and how is this going to affect what students need to learn? And then, of course, consequently, what will this mean for educators and teachers who are not going to retire tomorrow, but maybe you know in the next, uh, you know, who have got a longer runway, uh, and they're thinking, okay, so how then do I deal with this? Okay, so let's let's let's, let's kick that off. So, then uh, your initial thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, let's unpack these three interrelated things. Yeah. Uh, uh, in, in a kind of sequence. When we talk about the changes in the world of work, what we've got to remember is that the, the world as it sits now is such a diverse place in so many ways. Uh, yep. We talk about the flat world and kind of, <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, really? Um, I mean, the uh, when people talked about the COVID situation, now everybody's affected in the same way. I used to think to myself, well, hold on a minute. If you are super rich and you're living on a massive estate and you've got a golf course and tennis courts and swimming pools, that's a little bit of a, a different experience than if you're living in a, a one uh, a one bedroom or a shack somewhere with no food and no medical care. So I, I'm kind of concerned that when we talk about the world of work, what I feel is happening, and when I when I talk about what I feel, I, I've read um, quite a lot of the books by futurists on on the world of work, mm. uh, particular particularly Martin Ford. And, right. Uh, there are some sort of very worrying trends. Now, I'm not going to be ne- necessarily pessimistic in every <laughs> respect because. So this uh, is not going to be a doomsday scenario. We all no, going to die no, no, kind no, of no. No. I think we've got what we've got to do. I think the, there's so much happening in the world. You know, the the environmental issues, obviously the the conflict potentially in Europe. There are so many um, worrying aspects. But um, somebody wrote a book. I think it was many ways or 200 or 120 nine ways things that we should worry about um, is that the last chapter is well we we can't worry about all these things on an every day but we as a collectivity as a, as a society as a world we've got to try to deal with them and these are on television all night um you know and all day if you like because they're happening around us but going specifically to the world of work i think certain things certainly in the more developed societies one of the big issues will be Will there be sufficient jobs of interest um, for people coming out of educational institutions? Um, now, the, what, I, what I read, what I glean from the literature is that certain jobs may be bulletproof, and this might be very good for people listening in and say, well, if I want to be working and I'm not very, very rich, I, you know, I have to work to earn a living. Jobs, I think, in the wellness industry um, will be uh, always there for the foreseeable future. Wellness, and wellness, yeah. Okay. I think it's one of those big industries. So certainly in the UK, we have a very big shortage of carers. We have an aging population, and that, that's probably true of many societies. So um, people that are carers will probably find that uh, there'll be plenty of work. Right. But, however, this is the real um, um, concern, and it, it, it's going to run into education, and that is that. With artificial intelligence, uh, there's so many different views of it, but we certainly know that there is what's called 
a potential singularity. I think this was from the work of Ray Kerwill. Uh, the book is called The Singularity. I'm not playing in his book, so, uh, Ray, but you can send me $10,000 $10, uh, <laughs> for saying this. Um, the, what he basically talks about is that what's happening in, in, in society, scientifically, is that there's a coming together of what is referred to as grid technologies, and that's genetics, that's robotics, that's information technology, and right. that's nanotechnology. Okay. Now, as these things come together, we're going to get more and more intelligent systems. Now, some of the big pluses of this is that there could be a kind of new industrial revolution where we cure more diseases, people live longer, and we're able to do more things through um, artificial means rather than have people doing it. So there's potentially wonderful benefits further right. down the line of these things. But right. equally... In the shorter term, that as artificial intelligence and the Internet of Things starts to do more things, and it's not just manual things. In fact, a lot of the manual things, uh, when I say manual, I don't mean this in any derogatory sense, but like being a carer or having to clean things out, um, yeah. that could well be uh, something that remains. But what we know is even in like professions like radiography, accountancy, intelligent um uh, artificial intelligence systems are going to be able to do a lot more of this work. Now, what that means is that more and more jobs are not just uh, like manual jobs, but also middle class type jobs start to become automated. So the issue is what happens if there are less and less jobs? Now, some futurists say, well, new jobs will be created. And yes, I think that's true. Management system, managing complex systems. The people that are very high tech, very creative, very creative, um, will be okay in the job market. But the concern is if you've got more and more people competing for less and less, if you like nice jobs in inverted commas, and I don't want to get caught up with making value judgments here, but jobs that seem to have a future, have a career progression, perhaps have higher salaries, those kind of jobs may become less and less. So um, that is a big worry. So that means, hold on a minute, that there could well be many young people coming out of schools, universities with excellent qualification, but finding they're up against thousands and thousands of other people for these jobs. So that is one big concern that I think is we have to face. I don't know what you feel about that and whether you see evidence of that in, okay. In Asia. Uh, okay, so I just wanted to address a few points that you said. Uh, okay, so again, like I, I, I find this uh, interesting uh, about the future of work. Again, this is just pure speculation and just my own thoughts on this. Uh, number one, if you are talking about the future of work where we have the Terminator to help us, uh, and I don't mean the Terminator as in like to, to you know, uh, carry out hit jobs, but I mean if you have robots to make life easier, to make things better, then I'm all for it. Uh, but at the same time, I think the one shift that I've be, uh, begun to see, uh, and it's going to be two shifts actually uh, that I've begun to see. One is we would probably be working less physically but more online. Uh, does that make sense? It's like you would probably yeah, yeah, not I, go to I, work absolutely. so much. You probably yeah, you probably not go to work so much. Uh, and work will probably be decentralized, in my opinion, because I think technology now allows you uh, to even have a holographic, uh, uh, you know, a holographic uh, opportunity to 
to be part of meetings, but you're not physically at that meeting. So people who are physically at that meeting see you as a holographic figure. So all this is like Star Wars stuff and all that, but I think that technology is already available. So that's one. So we may not be physically be physically working less, but uh, online probably is going to go up a lot more. Uh, that's the way I feel. And it's this hybrid world of working. So we may actually, uh, I, I don't believe I'm saying this, and I actually look forward to this, is we might actually come back down to a four-day work week. Uh, I, I personally think so. Uh, it will not happen tomorrow, but I think it is on the cards. Now, the problem with that is brings us to how do you reconcile that with the dropping or the reduction of hours and then still having to cover a whole lot of curriculum. Okay, so I think that's always been a perennial problem for most teachers. I don't know if you get that same sense. Uh, if you ask any teacher what is one thing that I can grant you, it's always about more time to cover the syllabus or cut out my administrative work. So that's the first uh, issue that I see when we talk about a new way of working. Now, the second issue that I see, uh, it's not an issue, it's a thought, uh, is we are going towards, and, and this might sound ironic coming from a Singaporean, uh, we are probably going to recognize a lot more uh, uh, aptitude type of assessment rather than just academics. In other words, a degree may not only be the only path or the only currency that would be the gateway to a high-paying job. Okay, so that is where I'm coming from, uh, from uh, the way I look at the way things are going. So in other words, uh, you will not be entering a job solely based on, oh, you have studied in this prestigious institution. Oh, you have a degree from this prestigious institution. Therefore, you must be very good at what you do. Therefore, we are giving you this amount of uh, payment. Uh, I think right now, we are also looking at that possibility that there might be other things we would want to consider, uh, such as a portfolio even before you enter the working world. Uh, a better demonstration of the knowledge and skills that you have vis-a-vis uh, -vis a degree. So I think even before you left Singapore, that was already being discussed in some sense. Uh, but after that, the pandemic hit, I don't see this uh, being talked about in that enthusiastic of a, of a tone right now. I think this will probably be revisited when the pandemic uh, eases. But I'll tell you something else that I thought when you said uh, that I found interesting, and this is okay. Sorry, with a bit of a of, of a digression. Uh, when you say healthcare kind of work, I totally agree with you. Although today I was just reading, Moderna has shed like twenty percent of its stock price, uh, and Peloton has like laid off like two hundred people. You know, you know what's Peloton, right? Then, which one's that? Peloton. Have you heard of Peloton? No, not, not immediately in my working memory. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Peloton is this company that sold a huge amount of uh, stationary bicycles because everybody was working from home. And their oh, right. stock prices went crazy. And today, they just laid off 200 workers because the demand has now suddenly tapered off. So, I, I, I suppose it's, it's not saying that uh, healthcare is not going uh, to be an important feature. I just wanted to just highlight that the world of work will be so volatile Mm. Uh, that 
I don't even know if we are able to teach our potential students coming into the system these knowledge and skills to survive this this world. Yeah, um, there's a lot of issues there, Mark. So I mean, I think some we can kind of predict a little bit more than others. The uh, let's put it this way: when we talk about the um, more online learning, technology-based learning, uh, blended learning, that's absolutely going to be a in the next two or three years. That's a massive area. Teachers standing in front of classrooms, showing PowerPoint slides, reading PowerPoint slides. That is going to be educational Jurassic Park. Okay. Large. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing because yeah. the, the thing we I think we discussed before with the technology that uh, there was a time when it was less stable, um, less user friendly, and also driven not by pedagogy but by technology. That's changing, and with as I think we've mentioned before, the use of interactive videos, augmented reality, the mixed reality where you talked about holograms and things yeah. like that. The, the creation of very dynamic, immersive learning environments will gradually come to the mainstream education. Obviously, costs involved, though it's not going to go across the world quickly. It will be in institutions that have the money. Um, so I still think that uh, there's a bit of a there's a few more years before that permeates the world. But certainly, the blended learning, immersive learning. Um, is going to become more and more the case. So teachers could, may not be of, many may not be working in traditional classes so much. It could be networked um, um, learning of, of different resources and different people. Um, so that's one thing I think we can say is almost a definite. Yeah. Um, the key, what, what the, we can go on to the issue, well, hold on a minute. If, if, if there's so much knowledge around and so much technology, what are the kind of competencies and attributes that students will need to deal? You use the word volatile. It's yep. certainly going to be rapidly changing. It's certainly going to be volatile. And as we can see now, certainly in the UK, there's yep. so many uh, people uh, with, um, however you want to define these things, that mental health issues. And I think a lot of it is really the sense of anime, the normlessness, we don't, what, what, what's going to happen? What's the future? They look at TV and they see conflict here, this here, and then um, the, you know, the amount of crime and, um, you know, just, just general uh, malaise. The news seems to be, I mean, it's, there's always been negative things happening in the world, but I think, and then social media with bullying and so many issues, I think it's creating this sense of normlessness and, well, what is there in the future? Where are we going? Uh, how, do, how do I find meaning in life? It almost goes back to a kind of Viktor Frankl notion. I mean, we're not living in Auschwitz, where some people are still, but that type of very arse world. Um, but, you know, people are living in more developed societies with reasonable standards of living, but even they are declining. I was just watching the news earlier, and we've got inflate, food inflation at sort 5.6%. We've got many people going to food centres and food kitchens. So, yeah, I can see it's 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 a very challenging world. And if what, what are we going to teach our kids now to make them uh, be able to cope with that kind of change? It's, it's yes, a tough one. Okay, so then, then are we then saying that okay, we can draw the line here? The podcast is is it's done because there's nothing we can do. How then do we do we link it to you know, uh, 
evidence-based principles, uh, I would suppose, and I don't know whether this is even possible, but let's try. Uh, because I think, you know, we, we've talked about this quite a bit. Uh, there, while there's a need to teach knowledge, there's a need to, you know, teach content. At the same time, I think the focus is a lot on helping to develop proper learning skills for our students. Now, uh, do you feel that way? That the world of work would probably suit the person? Uh, and, I, and I quote one of my favourite quotes of all time, Elvin Toffler, who says, uh, the future will, will be uh, for the person who can learn, relearn and unlearn. Absolutely, Mark. I mean, what what I'm doing, I mean, the spin that I've given is, uh, I think, a realistic, uh, I think, as human beings, two kinds of things. We are problem-solving creatures. Right. And you know, we, we, we thrive on problems. So, at one level, I think there's, there's potentially great optimism for the world, okay? There's so many things that we now have uh, in terms of uh, being able to have a level of communication you know, kind of distributed intelligence and i mean to, to to quote the best example we were able to come up with a vaccine by working collaboratively with the you know the best scientists in the world instead of thinking about kind of money silos egos i'm not saying those things don't come into it anyway as they inevitably do for the human condition but we were able to do something in a year that probably without working together uh, without that kind of super alternate challenge of the virus all of us have whatever nation you're in instead of thinking about your own uh, your own issues we had almost like we were being invaded by um aliens from another world we pulled together and i think that was a massive achievement right so there is definitely room for optimism, but certain things need to happen, which we'll explore later. But going back to the point, yeah, our education system has got to get people, uh, youngsters, and this, to me, this is the global issue. We've got to get youngsters who can think better, who are able to look at things going on around the world, be able to analyse situations, to evaluate. In other words, to be very good critical thinkers. Uh, also, creativity, we've got to start solving problems with new ways of looking at it. And I think many of those new ways are there. But you're always fighting vested interests and previous paradigms, right? So there is great hope. And that's why I stay in education, and probably yourself, is that basically, if we had very high expert creative teachers globally, we're learning to think as well as having a lot of willpower to persevere, which that's another thing. In schools, we've got to teach kids that kind of, uh, there isn't a, um, things just don't come without responsibility and resilience. That We've got to basically encourage kids to add more grit, more tenacity, to recognise that living in the world, it's always been the case, whether it's a saber-toothed tiger coming into our cave, or whether it's um, kind of uh, global catastrophes or whether it's other kind of threats. Who, who knows what's going to happen? We've got to focus on getting people to think better, to be more resilient and to um, be able to keep learning new skills, new ways of looking at things. We've got to have a more educated and educated will mean better thinkers, perhaps more moral entities. We did talk once about moral values. We've 
got to kind of get people to recognise that we are in an interdependent world and things like fairness, equity, justice um, and global collaboration are global mindset stuff. It's, it's really essential. And teachers can be, I think, the major change agents um, in that, that process. So that's my optimistic frame. That you know, the opposite of that is that we um, we go into some kind of um, you know global crisis of environment, poverty, uh, recession, riots, and conflict. I mean, it could go either way. It's a bit like a football match. You can start well and end up getting trapped. You can start badly and start playing well. The world has just got to become, in some ways, more intelligent. Um, that's a nebulous concept, but it all starts, doesn't it, at ground roots with um, the way we educate youngsters. Yeah. So, so I think okay. So I'm going to be I'm going to be a bit of a pain now, uh, because what you just said. Oh, we need to have students who are better thinkers. We need to have them who are more critical thinking. Uh, I, I would offer. Okay. So what has changed? That's number one. Uh, and what does that mean for, and, and I hope we can unpack this a little bit more explicitly, uh, how does that influence teaching? In other words, can you describe how teaching would look like? Maybe in, uh, uh, maybe in, uh, in, in the way that you envision it to be, that is that going to be very different. Now, I would think most lecturers... Uh, who have already made that shift from PowerPoint slides, okay? We still show PowerPoint slides, but I think there's been quite a number who are now also looking at, okay, what other kinds of technology can I bring into teaching and learning? Uh, I, I, and I'll give you an example. I just saw uh, a, a little smart board. Uh, you know, when, when, when we had the whiteboard to replace the blackboard, it was like, oh my God, it's like a leap from technology 1.0 to 2.0. Then from the whiteboard, we went to uh, PowerPoint and uh, projector. Oh my God, that's technology 3.0. And then now I just saw a whiteboard that looks at uh, really a smart board that you can write, you know, uh, and there's no lag. In other words, when you write it, you can see it, you can digitalize it. A person who is at home can now see what you are writing on the board without having to like, you know, uh, strain their eyes and they can also see how people are communicating within the classroom uh, and sharing their work on the main board. So all this, in my opinion, is already here. What then should we be taking note of? Like if we say we need students to be better thinkers, we need students to be more critical thinking. So I think the technology is there. But is it now the pedagogy has to catch up? Is that, yeah, fair statement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it must it must happen. I mean, certainly. Uh, I mean, if you remember the film, the Minority Report, I think yeah, well, Tom um, Cruise, Tom Cruise. Yeah, uh, in a sense, our in accessing information um, through those kind of means through a, a very extensive augmented reality, um, where we can be more aware. That's one thing, but. Awareness simply doesn't mean that students are choosing or being directed to right. thinking about the important things. At the end of the day, if they're just getting more creative in the way they kind of use TikTok or gossip or... Uh, I mean, I was watching the news and, like, a major news item was this ongoing 
conflict between Wayne Rooney's wife and um, Jamie Vardy's wife. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is on national news. And probably there's a, there's more emphasis, I think, that's worrying on um, you know, kids using their, their thinking skills on things that are, I'm not saying, you know, to be it's just regimented to think about what's going on in the world, how we can work together collaboratively, uh, and how we might um, solve local problems, be more kind to people, be more you uh, those kind of things. I do think these things have got to be part of the way we focus our curriculum so we can learn about geography we can learn about history we can learn about science but i think there has to be more of those subjects being focused around the the, the world as it is the issues that people face and and start to think how we can improve things with some value base i think there's a lack of core values running through um society and everything shows that people you know we have this political correctness and we have all of these kind of sort of movements but it, it doesn't seem to be having any what i would say outcome-based impact um okay. we need okay. people to be we need to, people to be not just having rights but responsibilities and schools need to get people to use their knowledge in, in, in not just purely individualistic ways but social ways within the community and we've got to develop that sense of identity and meaning uh, a lot of the values that used to exist that i remember in in, in east london it was a tough environment people looked out for each other uh, you know, whilst there was a lot of tough gangs they tended not to mug old ladies and break into old ladies houses uh, there's, there's there's got to be a reframing of some sense of meaning, purpose that is both locally and globally orientated, but recognise individuals' wants and needs. So these are issues that I think have to run right through curriculum. And I think that's something that teachers should be doing globally. I don't really care whether you're teaching in, 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 a, in a shack somewhere or whether you're teaching in an environment these things can be taught and teachers i think have got to as a profession globally come up and work harder at a curriculum where students can learn better and the evidence-based principles are always there we've got to engage them with their prior knowledge we've got to get them thinking we've got to pro provide concepts that are fundamental basically to how we learn better in the subject but how we think okay so got to have a more global um, now obviously that is a massive job but it's it's got to be the future of learning because the, if i look at the world now there's so many things that are worrying um that have to be addressed in some way as a species i know that might sound a bit right. heavy but we've got to have this debate we can't keep you know say oh well um it, 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 it's just going to happen or it's not going to happen future young people and if young people don't have the right kind of education and they're concerned and it's not just about being you know basically a bit of a pain in the neck sometimes because that don't work it's it's got to be a more global uh, systemic process of young people these things these things are important um, and some social structure 
that support more collaboration. Um, I think we. Right. Okay. So I'm going to then paint you a possible scenario to to address the third part about how we should and how teaching will change. So can you imagine a scenario, uh, where. Uh, and, and this is something that I've been dabbling in. And, I, and if I ever go and do a PhD or an, an ad doctorate, this would be my thesis statement right. uh, or thesis idea. So imagine this. Uh, so instead of retraining our students or teaching students to go out and be ready for the world of work, what if we use the world of work as the context for their learning? Uh, I know it's not a, a brilliantly radical idea, but uh, imagine if we uh, look to the uh, and to address specifically your point about values and outcomes, uh, is to address problem statements that uh, industry has or the workplaces have, and then to bring this in into the classroom and then build a learning experience around these problem statements. Uh, and these problem statements can be in the form of projects or they could be simply in the form of a dilemma or it could even be in the form of uh, 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 ambitious strategic plan. Okay, so so I'm just, I'm just thinking on the top of my head, I'm just talking. So uh, would that make sense? Uh, and, and of course, that would not, it, it would mean that right now the, the, the teachers or the lecturers or the educators uh, will need to be really at, on their toes uh, and it's not going to be oh I just need to cover this content and then thank you very much I'm walking out it's really about okay this is what we need to achieve today as an outcome because it could be a very complex problem statement uh, it could take weeks to solve uh, and then it's about okay how do I now get my students to think critically uh, what is the type of questions that I need to ask what kind of technology do I need to bring into the learning to get them, to, to assist them with their learning. And more importantly, how do I codify the knowledge that is actually coming out from that kind of interactions so that students have a resource that they can refer back to and at the same time, formalize the learning through maybe even an assessment that would not be structured within the curriculum. It could be, okay, I feel that this is now going to be important as uh, as an assessment point. Let's do this now, as opposed to oh, you need to sit for a major exam in three weeks. Yeah, Mark, uh, I would say basically PhD thesis, and uh, I'll certainly um, um, endorse that one <laughs> if you need a reference. <laughs> uh, but being serious on that note, and I was being serious what I just said there. Many yeah. true words spoken in jest, right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think learning has got to be about things in the real world and knowledge has got to connect to that. So the the notion that a lot of, I mean, if, if I take, say, something like the teaching of mathematics, right? I yep. mean, from my experience uh, of, of teaching maths, uh, as the curriculum significantly changed um, since when I was at school doing algebra, geometry and all this kind of stuff, I'm not saying that that knowledge isn't important and relevant in certain circumstances. It still is. Yeah, the same, you know, with a lot of science stuff. I remember doing like physics and chemistry and biology, and I learned lots of facts, and these are important things, but somehow we've got to focus the knowledge more around uh, and embed it in those real world 
uh, problems. I mean, for example, if you take, say, something like when we had the uh, the scare, I mean, it still is an issue. It's, it's a major problem in many parts of the world still. But HIV and AIDS, I mean, that was going to be, you know, that was a little. I, mean, I remember when that hit the news, you know, it was, again, potential Armageddon sort of thing. And yeah. some of the forecasts were, you know, were draconian. Uh, but uh, if you're teaching sort of biology, you can teach it in ways of looking uh, not just at the, the biological organism as such, as, a, as an entity, but our into it more, our global issues come into it more, our in some societies because of social, economic and uh, conditions and also cultural features. We've got to really understand uh, the, the way the world works and the way the mind works. I think in schools, uh, students should learn much more about themselves as human beings. We're not, are we teaching, you know, we're still teaching. Uh, I mean, if you take, say, um, I, I've no issue with religions or religious education, uh, that kind of stuff. We're, and it's important that people you know, are, learn about belief systems and the meaning of life and all those kind of things. Tremendously important. But I do think that it should be more real applied social science type stuff so people can understand other cultures. If we want people to be more tolerant in terms of race and these kind of things and gender, uh, we, need, we need to have more focus on real people and real situations rather than it being kind of knowledge still being um, compartmentalised. I do think some of these knowledge silos are breaking down um, but it's it's got to be more like that work, life and learning have got to be more kind of integrated and schools not just about producing kids who get GCSEs who That's get, right. study that kind of thing it's, it's, it, yeah and there are challenges because uh, teaching this is going to be more realistic that teachers in subjects will need to be more transdisciplinary in some senses like we used to um, talk about teachers when we were um, training them in cognitive science and you know teachers said well I'm a geography teacher an history teacher an engineer I don't need to know nothing about the mind but education is about the mind it's like you don't design gloves without knowledge of how the human hand works so how are we going to teach people to be better thinkers to be more aware to deal with complexity while we've still got a stone age brain let me add until we can download information <laughs> straight into neural network cognitive load and that's why metacognition to me it should be is the core 21st century competency people have got to be able to self-regulate understand the way the mind works understand that sometimes you don't feel like doing things sometimes you feel bad better self-regulation better self-direction this to me is what needs to permeate right across the world in terms of teaching and learning you need highly skilled teachers who understand pedagogy more learning more metacognition more uh it's good i mean the the, the plus side for teaching it makes it to me a much more heightened diverse challenging profession however if teachers are saturated with more and more admin work more and more reports to fill in um, which uh, you know globally seems to be a systemic problem they're not going to have the energy and the time to to focus on the, you know learning as a distinct entity and thinking as the way to improvement yeah i i, I totally get it uh i think it's it's going to be important. Okay, so, uh, I just want to share with you a piece of news that just popped up on my news feed. Apparently, uh, a lady has been cured from HIV. 
using stem cells. Uh, can you imagine that? Uh, it's quite amazing. Uh, because you just mentioned just now, right, about HIV. So I just wanted to share that piece of news. Yeah. Here. But uh, I, I'm going to 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 now try and uh and and uh provide a little bit of uh hope for one of a better word. Uh, on what this might look like. So imagine walking into a classroom today. Okay. So uh, it, it's going to be this flexible. Uh, it's not going to be a classroom in rows. Uh, anybody can sit anywhere they want. Uh, and the, the, the teacher, lecturer, educator uh, comes to class and says, okay, so we've just had a new project from or or or, or a project from a company that is looking essentially at building a system for better uh, uh, notifications or something like that. Uh, and and number one would be is okay. So let's break down the let's break down the project into doable pieces. Now, so if you think about this, right, it's very different from how we are doing teaching and learning now in a sense that we are teaching people how to do or solve problems based on heuristics, but without actually having a context to applying these heuristics. So I'm thinking that it should be going in there, okay, so here's a problem, and it's a real problem. Uh, people are expecting us to uh, come up with intelligent solutions. How should we do this? Okay, so that's how we are going to facilitate that learning. Now, I know that, that this is not a perfect solution because one of the arguments is how would you expect somebody to think critically or think creatively if they do not have enough subject matter knowledge on the subject? Now, I totally agree. Uh, so just now when you were saying, oh, uh, geometry and all that is important, I think fundamental knowledge is still important. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I also feel that, and, and this is something that I'm still trying to reconcile, uh, but I also feel that there is so much free knowledge available today, and it's not just in the library, it's literally at your fingertips. You can actually go online and look for a solution. And I think even you have done that, Then, uh, if, you need, if you find yourself with a problem, what do you do? First place you go to is you go to YouTube, you look for a solution, it's a step-by-step -step instructional video to tell you what you need to do. So I think this is where I, I feel that the first thing that we need to understand is we are not the sole purveyor of knowledge anymore. Your students are not going to look to you to now expecting you to know all the answers. Okay, uh, They already come into class with a fair bit of knowledge. And then it's up to us to understand what knowledge they have, harness it in a more effective manner, and linking it to uh, good teaching and learning principles, and drawing them towards solving a problem, thinking critically, and you use better cognition. And this is something that I, I, I would have to admit, uh, I don't do that very often with my students. Uh, why? Because number one, I think that at that point in time, there was a lack of understanding of what metacognition is. Uh, and also maybe a misunderstanding that self-directed learning is, oh, you go off on your own and you go and deal with it. Mm. I think we have talked about this uh, briefly, is they may not be mature enough to be able to do that self-regulation, to have good self-awareness, or to even engage in high-quality metacognition. 
So that's where we need to come in. Okay, so imagine this going back to the project. Okay, so somebody says something. Then you have to ask a question. Or, and instead of saying you're right or wrong, it would be is, why are you thinking in this way? Where did you get that impression from? And it's forcing the student to now back up their thinking and also pushing them to a higher level of thinking and not just saying you're right or wrong. Okay, so indulge me a bit more. Huh? So then the, you, you, you draw all the knowledge for the day, okay, and then we create some kind of resource, whether is it a, a guide or whatever, and you put it and it's all online and everybody can access it, everybody can be an author on it to actually codify that knowledge. And then we draw the line and the lecturer or the teacher or educator now says, okay, you know what? We are going to stop here today uh, because we have achieved our outcomes. And that that educator, teacher, slash lecturer is responsible for defining these outcomes. And it could be a mathematical outcome. It could be, as you said, a value type of outcome. Or it could even just be a learning type of outcome. Okay, and then deciding again, okay, I need to maybe do a quick check on the person's understanding and that would mean for that student, okay, or, or to deploy a, a, a type of test. But I don't mean a written test. It could be, let's do an oral, verbal, uh, you know, uh, debate. And the, the teacher should be trusted enough to say, you know what, I'm able to give a, a insight or I'm able to confidently say how competent or how good you are. Does that sound a little bit too far-fetched? No, no, it doesn't. I think it's kind of essential. We've got to break out of this kind of um, sort of atomistic view of kind of assessment and learning. If you, given, given that we're going to have more and more resources, as you say, and given that kind of if we teach students how to think well and to work together uh, collaboratively, they can go through the myriad of networks of learning and pull information out. They might not be sufficiently um, uh, literate in terms of being able to differentiate what is better evidence but that's where the thinking comes in so we've got to really teach uh, students how to look at different information sources and to evaluate their work in terms of approach so there's two aspects of evidence-based stuff is one is that we teach from an evidence-based point of view but in doing that given that one of the is sort of good metacognition the yep. understanding of the old thinking process, critical creative thinking, as well as the self-regulation of emotions and beliefs and all the things that impact good thinking. So once students are more educated in terms of how the mind works and not to just be fooled by going on the Internet and someone's talking about it. True. They've got to be able to look at what that information is, yeah. what the source is, and be able to track evidence. So we want students to, in many ways, be good life detectives. In other words, uh, they're learning about geography, they're learning about history and all these things, but they see these things as interconnected entities. I mean, I did A-level history, and to me, it was just a collection of facts that spoke for themselves. I mean, how naive can you be? History isn't a <laughs> facts but it's about certain people who one were literate enough to write probably in privileged positions and you know they wrote about things that you know were, were in their vested interest in many cases i mean 
what 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 makes uh, you know Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon some river somewhere an historical fact, but the lives of billions of people making meaning in everyday life for feeding their families, educating their kids, and all these things. What makes their lives that are not documented so much, increasingly a little bit more today because yeah. of the, the social network, more important? So um, we we've got to get students to be able to. Uh, take more responsibly responsibility and as teachers i think we've got to be open and say as as a society as a world these are issues that we need to think about and hopefully make better decisions based on evidence for example if you take the old global warming thing you've got people talking about catastrophe in the next five years you've got other people that say it's you know other scientists it's a load of nonsense so you know (laughs) Us as so-called, you know, educationalists, we have trouble seeing the wood from the trees. So for, for kids in school, how are they going to do it without exactly. them with the the critical thinking skills, the digital literacy, uh, and the metacognitive capability? So we used to talk, didn't we? I think again, and um, about problem-based learning, and the problem with problem-based learning is that you can end up looking at so many little problems superficially and you think you're developing good thinking, but you're not. And it's like anything else. If all you're learning is looking at problems, it's going to it's going to habituate. So I think kind of we we have to take broad life issues, get students engaging in learning to understand them better so we can improve some things in our own lives as individuals within the community. And ultimately, um, over time as a species, let's be honest about it, kind of, even if it takes 100 years to achieve this, if we keep improving, I mean, how long, has the, how long have we been on the earth? I mean, is it 2 million years? There's different views on that, but we've been around a long time. And look what's happened in 100 years. So if we can have a, a, another 100 years of, of development and knowledge is increasing and our understanding of all different things is increasing, we could be moving towards an almost utopian that's a very subjective thing <laughs> view of the world but i mean it would be nice if we you know if we could eradicate disease i think that'd be a good thing it would be nice if um you know all people in the world had an opportunity to develop and you know experience kind of um wellness and some sense of achievement and purpose in their lives i mean it's who knows where it goes? We just don't know. But I see that as our best option, as opposed to ending up as a species, destroying the environment, having a nuclear war and kind of that kind of you know, negative scenario. So as a teacher, we can't be cynical. We have to be optimistic. And we've got to believe that sort of you know, as an individual, I can make a difference in some way. And more individuals who make a difference in positive ways. And we, we know we're getting into values here and we have to ultimately look at values, I think, from a more evidence-based point of view and have more commitment as a society to say, these are the values that's important. Uh, I was kind of impressed in many ways in Singapore um, and I get criticised for it because they say, how can you talk about you know good values when a society has the death penalty and the cane? And I think, well, hold on a minute. Uh, people don't get caned and they don't get the death penalty for doing nothing. I mean, <laughs> we've got to deal with, you know, we've got to deal, you know, as, as, Eric Frum talked about in the anatomy of master, of, of of human destructiveness. Yeah, there are people, for whatever reasons, do horrible things. And that is a problem that has to be addressed. How you address that, again, has to be some kind of consensus. But we have to deal with 
the world as it is, not as some kind of fantasy version of it. Okay, cool. So I think that that's I think we'll we, we can stop the conversation for that one there. I think that's a nice pl- uh, space to stop. Yeah, so uh, lots that we have talked about, uh, interesting ideas that we could try out. Uh, yeah, so let's move on to the second part of our conversation, and that's something that we have found interesting, or a tool that we have tried out, or a book that we have read. Uh, you want to go first, then? Well, uh, to be honest about it, this week, um, um, I, I work, obviously, on trying to come up with educational systems as you know and i'm working on um not just the notion that teachers need to be um more um able to be metacognitive in their in the way they teach and to teach students to become more self-directed through learning strategies thinking skills motivational strategies but i've been working um i'm working on a program and this is something that we are um, ultimately doing together is to can we come up with programs that can be infused into school systems where that the students themselves become more agentic in other words they recognize mm. that uh, they've got to be responsible for their learning and all right they can sit in classrooms and listen to teachers but they've got to take the responsibility to think they're going to take the responsibility to build better relationships and not say, oh, well, there's some mental health facility. I'll go down there and then I'll, I'll listen to some genre of therapy and things like this. So they've got to be much more agentic, more responsible and um, develop more agency and um, be able to um, get on with people and find solutions in getting on with people uh, not just kind of be passive recipients of, of stuff. So uh, I've been working on that program and um, um, there's quite a bit to do with it. But I do see that as something that it should be uh, should be a global thing to get students themselves to be more agentic. And we can teach them how to do it, but them learning it. We want motivated students who want to make a difference in the world, I think. A better productive distance and what is productive needs to be an open debate. Yeah. Okay, cool. Nice. Okay, so uh, for me, uh, I have found this another nifty uh, ad tech tool. and That's not possible. Uh, You've done them all. They cannot be anymore. <laughs> yeah, this one is actually quite interesting for me. Uh, I, 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 I have to, uh, you know, I have to use uh, my limited Latin uh, tempt, uh, every okay buyers beware uh, uh and that is because uh i have not actually tried it but i've read it and uh, i would love it for you to go and try it out uh and the link is called my edtechbundle.com once again it's called my edtechbundle.com uh and i'll put the link in the show notes but what yeah. it is actually is and i'm reading this off the site it says at my EdTech bundle, listen to this, uh, you can get premium mini subscriptions to the best EdTech tools available today for free. That's right. Grab as many tools as you want at no cost. You can also download several tools at once to see what you like best. So I'm looking at some of these tools and it's quite amazing. They have tools like Nearpod, 
book creator, okay, uh, Mote that we have talked about uh, uh, before in this site, Prezi, okay, uh, Slip and Slide, Grammar Flip. It's unbelievable. There's so many, okay, uh, and it's ex- ex- supposed to be free. And there's even uh, Kahoot, uh, Kahoot clones like Quizalize is also available soon. So I think we sh- we if you're an educator and you're always frustrated by you know having to sign up and then do trials and then or limited because you are an educator and you're only allowed to create like one or two uh, boards, this is something that you might want to look at uh, and try it out. Uh, I promise that I will go and look at uh, and probably in future episodes I might give a further review uh, of what I think this uh, site does. Uh, but you should check it out. Once again, it is my ad. Bundle.com. Uh, are you impressed with that one then? I, I'm massively impressed, Mark. In fact, uh, uh, make sure, I mean, you, you're going to put that on the site. I think the, the job that you're doing um, in terms of helping people see the wood from the trees with these technology tools and the fact that we, we, we look at the concept that it all boils down to how you can produce content, deliver content as one genre, and then communication and collaboration and assessment and feedback. The, the range of tools that you've got there, there's plenty for uh, teachers to go in there and look for tools that would well, obviously fit their resource capability and you know th- whether they can use those in the schools you know, for security reasons. Uh, to be able to really thoughtfully use a combination of tools to enhance certainly the intrinsic aspects of learning and the efficiency of learning. So I think you're doing a good job. In fact, I think we should do a series of podcasts where I interview you and you explain these tools kind of, um, because uh, I think that could be useful further down the line. All right. Okay, cool. So, okay. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Uh, once again, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so by writing to us at evidence-based-creative-teaching at gmail.com or if you would like to be on the podcast, please let us know as well. So before we end, Dennis, what's the plan for the rest of the week? Uh, well, basically to continue doing work. One kind of good thing about teaching, um, <laughs> it's always going to be challenging and um, you're never going to stop learning. And it's there is a big vision that as teachers, I really believe this, um, that I do think as teachers, there's a quote here. Um, and uh, it's, it's ultimately, I do think it's possible to provide uh, quality education um, to all students across the world. And um, um, I don't have a, a name for that quote. It's, I picked it up somewhere. So wherever it is, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thank you for that. Um, but I do think that's really so. Um, I will just keep working doing the stuff that I think is useful, and um, it takes my mind off the uh, the wind and the rain. And yeah. as we always say, because we do a bit of humour, um, you know, like it's always good to see the funny side. Okay, so with that, thank you, everyone. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>